It's time to mind your business with me, Jamila Lodge. Tune in to find out how to mind your business with BEDC, special guest entrepreneurs, industry experts, and more. Brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here. Day, Janice. Good Welcome. Morning. Good morning. Welcome to Mind Your Business. Um, of course, you know me, Jamila Lodge. I'm the Communication and Development Director at BDC, and you are our director at Cox Hallett Wilkinson. Yes, that's correct. So thank you for joining us today. And I just really want to get um, to know you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself first, and then we'll get into the question and answer. Sure. So um, I'm born in Bermuda, first and foremost, because a lot of people always ask that when they come to Cox Hallett. Um, grew up here, large family with, there's eight of us. So oh, wow. Lots of fun, loud, exciting sort of thing. <laughs> always wanted to be an attorney from when I was little. Really? Yep, knew from like second grade. That's you were what the I one negotiating in the family like, no, I don't, what about this? <laughs> See, I think I was the one that got blamed the most for, oh, no. because I was the youngest, so it went down the oh, line. Okay. So I had to come up with defenses quick. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Practicing the skill from early, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah. I qualified in 2008 in okay. the UK. Came back to Bermuda. Did my pupillage with Cox Hallett. Okay. Um, and I've been there ever since in the corporate department. Slowly moving up the ranks. Became yes. a director in 2020, just I before know. lockdown. I know. Congratulations. you like, get that in the bag. <laughs> and then went into a whole new round of challenges with that. Right. For lockdown, so that was fun. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, just like to get in, keep busy. Yeah. Um, help people figure out how to structure their, their corporate needs mm -hmm. and hopefully get them started on the successful footing. Okay. Well, we love to hear that, especially here at BEDC. I want to ask you, so what's the difference between being an attorney and then having the role as a director? Like, how does it differ? Sure. There's two very different hats. Okay. So as an attorney, your job is to listen and to analyze not only what the client is saying, but what they actually need. Okay. And even if it, it seems to be contrary to the plan that they're outlaying, to give them various options on how best to structure um, their company, their deal, mm -hmm. um, and to perhaps introduce new concepts that they hadn't thought of. Okay. And just to give the best advice going forward. As a director, um, you're required to be aware of the commercial needs of the building, of the business, um, and to consider what's in the best interest of the business, if there's any employees, um, that sort of thing. Right. So you really have to have a much bigger picture view. Mm-hmm. And you need to be willing to speak up and to make hard decisions even when it might be unpopular because you're really doing it for the best interest of, of the all company. parties. Got you. And the duty that you owe as a director is to the company. Right. Whereas with when you're advising someone, your, your duty is to the client. Right. So is that like... Could it be, uh, like, seems like it's opposing forces, or it's, like, a complete separation? No, it's not It's not opposing. They can work side by side. Okay. Um, because if you're 
actually acting in the best interests of the company, often the advice that you're giving will correspond to it. Got you. It's okay. just that you may have to, if you're outvoted as a director, mm -hmm. because majority rules most of the time, mm -hmm. then you may have to concede the point Got and you. go with the majority. But if you really disagree with it, then you may have to consider whether it's right for you to stay on the board if it's that material got of you. a decision. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Well, that sounds exciting. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you're like, okay, wait. Um, so talk to me a little bit about some of the practice areas at Cox Hallett Wilkinson. Sure. So as a firm, we have um, a litigation and dispute resolution. So they do employment, personal injury, okay. commercial litigation, insolvencies, trust litigation, um, contract disputes. We do a few minor um, landlord tenants and an occasional matrimonial, but we try to stay away from that. Okay. Um, we don't do criminal. Okay. Um, we do, we have an IP or intellectual property team, mm -hmm. which helps register trademarks and copyrights and that sort of thing. We have a private clients team, which does residential, commercial real estate, okay. wills and estates and trusts. And then we have the corporate team, which works with both local and international clients. Mm -hmm on a variety of business deals. So we do asset financing, bank loans. Um, we do some ship financing, aviation, telecommunications, mergers and acquisitions. Okay. Um, partnerships, global restructurings, anything that comes through the doors. That includes share sales or asset sales. Yeah. Um, most of our local clients really require corporate governance advice or um, financings mm -hmm. if they're doing expanding cap on capital projects mm -hmm. and then of course if they're looking to exit the building exit the business the bu then you have either a sale or a winding up right sort of thing yeah and so I think we just recently did a webinar on winding up and what's required um, because COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it, unfortunately, um, not every business survived COVID. And so there's this whole process of what do you do? How do you do that? So one of the questions that I want to ask as it relates to that is, in order to wind up, do you have to be a formal, like, limited liability company or LLC is that a requirement? For a formal liquidation, yeah. yes, you would be looking at a formal liquidation with the Registrar of Companies. You would have to be a registered entity, so right. an LLC or a limited liability company, mm -hmm. limited by shares. Um, for a partnership, it's referred to as a termination, and okay. there's usually a, a termination greed, a deed or agreement in accordance with the partnership um, documents for a sole proprietorship, it's different. Right. There is no formal process, so to speak. Okay. Um, Would they need a lawyer even? It depends on their financial situation. If okay. they're if they're solvent and they've just decided whether due to age or mm -hmm. lack of demand that they don't want to do it, no. Right. They wouldn't necessarily need to come to a lawyer. If you have debts or there, you know, there's litigious claims against mm -hmm, you out mm -hmm, there, mm -hmm. then yes, we'd always recommend that you get legal advice on those. Right. Because you don't want to 
then face an action two or three years down the road right. by from some creditor that you knew was out there but just didn't deal with. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the actual structures of the companies that you mentioned. So I'm going to ask you to define for me each of the ones that, and then if I missed any, then you can fill it in for me. Sure. So a sole proprietor is? So that is a person or persons who open a, a business and start conducting it. They trade in their, under their own name. Okay. Um, so it would be Joe Smith trading as ABC Plumbers. Mm-hmm. And the business, the assets of the business, the profits all go into their own personal name. And so they are responsible for the contractual obligations, the profit earning, but also for any debts or claims against that particular business in their own name. Right. Which also means that if they have a creditor out there who sues them for any debts or whatever, then their personal assets are also at risk. Because they're like all one in the exactly. same. Exactly. So it's it's as if you and I personally shook hands and said that we're going to enter into a contract and I'm going to be responsible for delivering shopping bags mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. And if I fail to complete that, you sue me for damages, you sue me, and I'm personally liable for any claims. Okay. So um, what is a limited... We'll do LLC first. Okay, an LLC or a limited liability company is a hybrid that was introduced in 2017. Okay. And it really originates from the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you'll notice if you are Googling or looking up what an LLC is, you'll come across a Delaware LLC. Yes, lot. yes. Um, so Americans prefer some of the American clients preferred the idea of the LLC mm-hmm. to a traditional company limited by shares because it had much more flexibility. Okay. It was less formal. So um, in an effort to continue to build our economic presence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bermuda government wisely introduced the legislation to incorporate LLCs into Bermuda, mm-hmm. which allowed them to be formed and, and um, benefit from limited liability here. Okay. So an LLC is formed by an agreement of the members. And even if it's a sole member, you sign that limited liability agreement. Okay. And that is your constitutional document, which sets out how the company works. So it'll set out what the initial membership interest is. Mm -hmm. It'll set out the fact that you formed the LLC, what its name is, who the members are. If there's more than one member, who the managing um, manager will be, who will run the day-to-day affairs how profits would be split if there's multiple members, okay. but also how it would be shut down in the case that it was no longer required. Right. And so this entity can also be an individual saying, I want to create this LLC. And now this LLC is kind of a separate entity from me personally. Yes, which is so how- it, it has separate legal personality, okay. which means it's treated as an, its own individual as if it were an individual under the law. Okay. So it owns assets in its own name. It purchases um, goods and it enters into contracts and it incurs debts in its own name. Okay. Which means that any creditors that are out there who may have a claim against the LLC have to 
enter any actions against the name of the LLC as opposed to the you personally. The person. So in your first example with the sole proprietor, so now ABC D plumbing is separate and yes. now can enter into its own contracts. And if there are any creditors, then you're dealing with ABCD plumbing and then my assets are safe. Yes. Okay. So and, and the only extent that a creditor can come after the member yeah. is if they haven't paid up what the membership interest says in the agreement. Ah, okay. So if you said you were going to contribute $1,000 and you, you hadn't actually paid that in yet, you can be made to pay in the $1,000. Got you. But if that says $100, then it's 100 So okay. that's the extent. And th there are some debts like payroll tax or Social Security, which the manager or director of a company mm -hmm. um, may be made to be responsible for under the legislation. Okay. But for the most part, generally speaking, uh, a member can only be made to pay up that that membership interest. Got you. So now how does the LLC differ from the LTD? Okay, so the LTD is a traditional English company mm -hmm. um, based on, on the principles there. So you have a company which, again, is becomes its own separate legal personality yeah. and can enter into contracts and incur debts, own assets in its own name, and we mm -hmm. refer to that as ring fencing. Ring, ring fencing. fencing, the assets of the company protecting the rest of your assets. Okay, that's a new word for me, guys, <clears throat> ring fencing. We're going to ring fence these assets. Right, so an LTD um, is more formal. Okay. So you have a memorandum of association which sort of states what business the company can do. Um, okay. We do allow for companies, in the most part, to do unrestricted business. Okay. But if there are specific, if you're doing a, a restricted business, such as insurance mm -hmm. or investment funds or something like that, you may have to get specific permissions, permissions or from okay. the Ministry of Finance, and you'll often find that there are additional clauses which allow them to conduct that particular business. Got you. Um, land holding is also a restricted business. So if you have a business that wants to buy a commercial property mm -hmm. in which to house itself, then you have to get ministerial position permission, and you would need to have um, a specific clause in your memorandum to allow for land holding powers. Okay. Um, so that's sort of your policy book, mm -hmm. I like to say. Mm -hmm. And then you'll once the company is formed, then you'll have your bylaws and your bylaws I like to explain it as the rule book okay anytime you want to see how you're supposed to do something you have to refer to the bylaws so if you want to appoint a new director mm -hmm. if you want to hold an, a general meeting if you want to transfer shares if you want to wind the company up it's you always refer there. to the bylaws okay. to see what's in there you might also have to rely to the Companies Act 1981 mm -hmm. Um, for specific legislative rules, but the bylaws should be your first first point to review. Okay, so that's like your rule book. This is how we're going to govern the company. This is what needs to be exactly. done and how to do it. Okay. Yes. And then you, the shareholders or the person who's formed the company would receive shares, and that's when you may receive the share certificate. Yes. Although they don't have to be issued under law in Bermuda, the Register of Members is what denotes legal ownership. Okay. So you'll find a lot of companies, because the people are paperless these days, yeah. they don't want a paper certificate. Right. But you will find, specifically if you have shares from 
you know, the 80s or early 90s yeah. that you have these hard-form certific- share certificates that okay. you have to Now, what with. if that thing gets lost? It's still listed you can somewhere? A- yeah, you can apply. As long as you're in the register of members, okay. it's fine. Okay. You can contact um, the company secretary, and you can explain that it's lost or it's been destroyed or whatever Something. has happened. Right. And they'll give you some forms to fill out um, to state what happened and, and do a, sh- a share certificate indemnification okay and then they'll issue a new one if you want it okay but so long as your name is in the register of members you can still prove that you have ownership with or without the certificate now as an individual who wants to create this ltd can it be me solely that creates its company or must there be multiple members multiple shareholders no one person can can create a company okay all right you just be the sole sole shareholder or sole member. So 100% of the shares will yeah. be for me. And that, that terminology is interchangeable. I, you might hear me say members a yes, lot. Yes. That's the English um, phrasing as opposed to shareholders, which is Got the you. American. So they're interchangeable in use. Okay. And so there is such thing as a member agreement or shareholder agreement. How does that differ from the bylaws? So a shareholder's agreement is an agreement between the shareholders. So if we have two or three shareholders Mm -hmm. and we want to, for instance, ensure that we each have the power to appoint a director or um, we have a specific profit sharing agreement Mm -hmm. or in the event of a conflict where no decision, like a tie break, needs to be happened, may set out the process for that. Okay. Or if we want to require that shares, if you were to leave the company, your shares would be only available to sale to right, me you have or like to the first company. Right, a refusal or something like that. We might have a shareholders agreement between us. Okay. Which set out the terms that we commercially have agreed. Okay. Now that is binding on the shareholders. Um, so most of the time, the company also is a member of that agreement, but mm-hmm. not always. And that is just another form of agreement or documentation that you would have to look at in the event of, say, a share sale or something like I said, yeah. a conflict. Okay. So before we go to the other questions, because I have so many, um, let's talk about a general partnership against just a regular partnership and how those differ. Okay. So a, a general partnership kind of is a regular okay. partnership. So there are three forms of partnership okay. allowed under Bermudian law. Um, the first is the general partnership. Mm-hmm. And you have to have two or more individuals in order to create a partnership. Makes sense, right? Exactly. <laughs> you can't partner with yourself. <laughs> and uh, they can be verbal, although we strongly suggest that you get a written partnership agreement mm-hmm. because... People's memory if in fail. the event that yeah. things go wrong, um, it's nice to have an agreement to refer to what the agreements were right? so that you can smoothly, hopefully, move forward. Right. Let me ask you this before you go on. So in an instance where we two agree that we're going to do this business together and we write something down, how binding is it if it's just we two agreeing and no kind of lawyer or nothing was notarized. We just wrote it down. Sure. Okay. Um, Some weight will always be given to what the agreement is. Yes. And if it were to go to, you know, a mediator or a court. Right. 
you know, even if it's a verbal agreement, mm -hmm. then they listen to both sides or review whatever documentation is, is present. Okay. And they will put some weight into what the intentions of the parties were. Got you. Okay. Right? So it may not be fully recognized, yes. but, but some weight will always be be given to that. But obviously when you get to that point, it depends on who was more believable and reliable as a witness and, and that you. sort of thing. That's why it's good to have a written agreement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be too complicated. Right, right. Right, you can have simplified forms of the document, mm -hmm. um, but it is good to be able to refer to that, yeah, because you forget, right? I forget what I did yesterday, let alone <laughs> when we could have started this company, right? Okay, so that's the general one. What are the other two forms? So the other two are more frequently used by our international clients. Okay. And that's the exempted partnership and the limited partnership. Okay. Um, the, and you generally see some have are called limited exempted partnerships, and those are partnerships that have a limited partner and a general partner. Okay. So the limited partner may get 1% of the partnership, but he contributes the financial um, contributions, yeah. the majority yeah. of the financial I, contributions. Mm -hmm. He's in it for the sort of the profits, so right. to speak. And the general partner is running the day-to-day. -day the business, right. Okay. Business. And exempted just means that you're an exempted entity, so you are conducting business with either outside of Bermuda or with other exempted entities Companies. in Bermuda. Okay, got you. So now's the question. For our stakeholders who typically are sole proprietors, um, may just be getting started, starting a business, which entity would you recommend that they do and when should they do it? So you can operate as a sole proprietor, but I guess the, the real question is, when should a sole proprietor consider maybe one of these other formalized structures? Sure. And it will depend a little bit on the risk. Got you. Element of your business. Um, you know, if you're going to start, for instance, a painting company, mm -hmm. we would always ideally recommend that you incorporate or form your LLC mm -hmm. at the beginning, just because straight out from the beginning, you have the protection of the limited liability. Right. But I know realistically, um, with costs and whatnot, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sometimes businesses develop organically, yes. that that's just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, if you were looking at starting, say, a restaurant or something food-based, or where you're providing like nursing services mm -hmm. or care or something, mm -hmm. I would strongly recommend that you do right from the start form that limited liability entity just because of the risk nature yeah. of that company. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you have that protection. I think also for online entities where you're taking mm. um, online payments and there's the risk of being hacked right from the get-go. Oh, interesting. I never really considered that, that. You may also want to consider the formation because, for instance, if a hacker gets into your billing system and it creates credit card debt, yeah, that credit card debt would be against the company, not the individual. Got you. And, you know, that can be proved to be quite useful. 
Yeah, I'm even thinking like with online businesses, you could potentially have customers outside of Bermuda. And, you know, in my mind, because I originally I'm from the States, so you get sued for anything. You'd be like, you looked at me, I am emotionally distressed, and now I'm suing you because I can no longer work. Whereas in Bermuda, my experience has been that we're not really that litigious. Like, no, it, and, yeah. and even if you had an online business and you have customers overseas, they would have to come here to sue to, you. Oh, got you. Because okay. you're situated here. And so the law so, governing your yes. business is here. Yes, so they'd have to file under... Uh, Bermuda law, yes. which in this case would be an advantage because it's not as litigious or, you know, as award-based as the U.S. As the U.S., yeah. Seems to be. Okay, but that's a good point. I never really considered that. So now I'm a sole proprietor. I'm a painting company or a plumbing company. <laughs> um, and I've decided I wanted to, to limit my liability. Which of the two... LLC or LTD would you recommend? It's really a personal choice. Okay. So both offer limited liability. Both offer the entities to become separate legal personalities. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes a, do you want the more flexibility of a limited liability company mm -hmm. where you don't have to hold annual general meetings? Right. You don't have to maintain the share register mm -hmm. but you still have a membership interest right, register right. Um, you have a manager instead of a board of directors got you so usually there's a single manager as opposed to if you had a board you could have one director but you might have two or three mm -hmm. depends on the company mm -hmm. um, and the if you wanted to alter course or change something mm -hmm. within the business the manager who, who's administering the business would have the flexibility to do that without referring back to the shareholders or the directors for a meeting. Okay. And if you wanted to, say, change the membership agreement, you do that by agreement. You don't need to file anything with the Registrar of Companies and have that formal documentation mm -hmm. that under a company limited by shares you would. So... It sounds like from what you're saying that for those companies that are just intent for the most part to be operating as a sole proprietor, maybe one or two more people, employees, the LLC may, may be because of the um, administrative portion of it, right? Yeah. If you're looking at administrative costs, they both have to have a registered office, which needs to be a residential address in Bermuda. Okay. Um there is some benefit to having a licensed corporate service provider, mm -hmm. but a lot of for a lot of new startups, the reality is that that's a big fee. Yeah, right. So you can do it yourself. Okay. And I know at our office, we often have clients who we've helped with startups take their own books, but when they get to a certain get, level, or or when they run into something, they come back to us. Okay. And then we just help them on a time cost basis. Okay. So that's um, an option. Advising them. Yeah. And then when, in the hopes that when they get to that point, that they're then They'll come back yeah. based on the relationship that we've built. Right. And choose to, to use us right. to provide the corporate services at that point. That makes sense. That um, makes sense. For others, having the formality of a company mm -hmm. where, you know, everything is understood and, you know, has been in existence, the banks, the tax commissioner's office, 
um, general people on the street tend to understand the idea of a company limited by shares more yes. than an LLC. So they find that easier to understand. So mm -hmm. there's an advantage to, to that. And some people like having the formality because they know then that it's been done, it's been done right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it's personal choice, what you're comfortable with. Right. The f amount of flexibility that you feel you need. And then, of course, the harsh reality is costs. I was going to just say that, like, f you know, for a lot of our stakeholders who come and inquire, it really does boil down to costs, when, especially when they're first starting out, right? So they're looking at this and saying, okay, what do I need to do? So in terms of the costs, I know there's government fees that yes. exist. So can you talk about those first? And of the two, which one? Which ones are higher? Sure. <laughs> so there is annual government fees, and that fee schedule comes out on the 1st of April each year. Okay. It hasn't, luckily, the company fees and, and LLC fees haven't been increased for a while. So currently, for a local company, um, the annual government fees are, are calculated on a sliding scale based okay. on your share capital, right? So for a local company, if you have one to less than 25,000, mm -hmm. you're in the lowest scale bracket. Okay. And that fee is $685. Okay. And there's a $50 filing fee for your annual return. And this which, is annually that they pay? Yes. Okay. They pay that in March each year. Okay. Um, for an LLC, that annual fee is $900. Well, 900 or nine something. Let me double check Okay. That. $900 annual government fee. Okay. They don't file the annual return, so the $50 isn't there. Okay. But so just annually, if you're just looking at the cost of what you're paying to government, the LLC is more expensive. Right. But if you're looking at the formation, um, a company limited by shares comes in around 4400 Dollars, including legal fees and and the various disbursements that get Have paid to, to the government right, or right. advertising requirements. That so sort that's of thing. like all in kind of. And the LLC is about four thousand five hundred. So there's okay, not much difference not in it, but and that's um, that is of course our standard fees without the BEDC discount. Ah, you heard that? We got a BEDC discount, you guys. Um, well, we definitely appreciate the partnership. I'm sure our members do as well, because like you said, when you're starting out, some of those fees can be kind of prohibitive. So any kind of um, room for savings, they appreciate. Um, I want to thank you for coming. We are going to be having a workshop or uh, webinar about incorporating so we can answer some more of these questions soon. Um, so for those of you who are listening, um, just keep an eye out for that. If you're not a member of our um, communication portal, please go on to BDC, bdc.bm to sign up. Um, and you can also see information about the, the discounted rate that CHW offers for our members. But Janice, I want to thank you for taking the time to come with us today to talk about um, how to incorporate a company, some of the services that you offer, and we look forward to continuing the partnership with you. Great. It was lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And remember, if you don't mind your business, who will? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Mind Your Business with me, your host, Jamila Lodge. Tune in next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. because if you don't mind your business, who will? Mind Your Business is brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here.